Teams has new hardware, Windows has maybe some momentum, and we're waiting on a huge ruling out of the EU. But before we get to that that major bit of news, we've got a little bit of sponsorship to read because today's podcast is sponsored by Security Unlocked, a podcast from Microsoft focusing on artificial intelligence, machine learning, and security. Check out the links in the description of this podcast because you know you want to. Um, So here we go. I'm going to have to adjust this on the fly because things get a little dicey with the white balance around here. So talking about one man banding it. Anyways, I should edit that out, but you know what? We're not going to do it. It's Friday. We're in good moods because, well, it's Friday. So let's just sort of dive in. This was a monumental week in the world of Microsoft. And depending on when you are listening to the podcast, we have either heard um, the big announcement coming out of the EU, which we'll talk about here in a second, or you have already you know, absorbed everything that came out of Ignite this week. It was a big week. Microsoft held their first iteration in 2021 but sort of the second iteration of ignite uh 2020 in the spring anyway so there was an ignite event this week microsoft did a bunch of streaming a bunch of education a bunch of good stuff um but there was also a ton of news now i'm not going to dive into every single detail because it's there's too much of it i'm going to pull out some interesting things that i find personally uh, interesting on the team side microsoft is making invite meeting only controls generally available this month now, this might sound sort of like invite meeting. What do you mean? Um, well, if you remember like Zoom bombing and all that stuff, Microsoft has built in some controls that effectively make that impossible. And so those are now generally available to everybody. I think everybody's honestly probably had access to them for a little bit. Um, but Zoom bombing, Teams bombing things should no longer be, a, well, Zoom bombing, I guess, could still occur. But Teams bombing, whatever people hijacking your meeting should no longer be uh, uh, possible. But the bigger thing, I think, coming out of Microsoft this week is at Ignite, especially when it relates to Teams, is this new Teams hardware. So Microsoft uh, and a couple of their partners announced these puck-sized things. And honestly, they look like Amazon little devices. I don't want to say the name so they blow up your your environment if you have them. Um, But they look like those little hockey puck things. And what they do is they have, I believe, seven microphones in there. And what you can do is you can just pop one of those bad boys down on the conference table and it's interconnected to your Microsoft 365 environment. And what it does is that it can then transcribe up to 10 people in the meeting. Now, when we've when the whole world went remote, one of the benefits was that every single person on the meeting um, had a microphone, a, a dedicated audio line. So the, the AI, the cloud, if you will, could transcribe that individual audio line, uh, which is a much easier way to do it. When you're in a conference room, that's a little bit more dicey because everybody's sitting in there and there's only one audio pipeline. But with this new little puck things, it can actually identify up to 10 different people and transcribe that the meeting, which is going to be super helpful. Uh, if you don't quite understand why meeting transcriptions are helpful, here's the, the high level look. One, they instantly become indexable, meaning if you have a transcription, you can then search for it and find that content. Two, if people weren't able to attend the meeting, now they have a transcription they can go read and try to catch up or just uh, a reference material later. So those things are coming in the second half of 21H1, and we don't have an exact date. They're also going to enter in private preview. I'd imagine general availability, this stuff is probably potentially about a year away from when you can just go order one of these, but uh, that's, uh, you know, whatever. Um, There's also a new video camera called the Cam 130 by Aver, but what the bigger deal here is that this thing is team certified and actually has a light built in so that you just look your best 
on your team's meetings. Um, so those are a couple pieces of hardware. Um, other big things, I, I, I was a little bit baffled um, when I was looking at the analytics of like the top posts uh, of the past week over on Petri. Windows Server 2022 blew it out of the water. Uh, while everybody is always marching towards, it's all about the cloud, um, there's a massive amount of demand for Windows Server uh, 2022, which we now, or I should say, is now available in uh, public preview. It'll be, I believe, generally available later this year, I think is the initial target. Also, if you are a big user of Delve mobile apps, and you're probably not, um, but if you were, there's some bad news. First off, you can no longer download them from the iOS and Google Play Store. Microsoft has removed them, and in January, they're going to officially shut them down. Now, Microsoft is officially saying that all this technology is sort of baked into other apps. They actually recommend using the Outlook mobile app. Um, I don't think this is the end of Delve in any real meaning, but I just don't think people were using the dedicated apps, and that technology, I believe, debuted in 2015, so... Microsoft has just kind of built this stuff into its other applications and natively into the Office graph. And so uh, the value of a standalone app is just not really there anymore. Uh, Microsoft 365 Universal Print. If you understand what I just said, uh, just know that it is now generally available. And Microsoft also did something sort of quasi-interesting. For, for many years, um, at least, I would say at least two years, maybe not many, Windows just really hasn't had a seat at the conversation table, right? It's been just sort of this thing that Microsoft has and and a little awkwardly, it's been a thing that Microsoft has that makes billions of dollars every quarter, but they haven't been nurturing it in a way that was like made sense. Um, and then suddenly after Panos took over, there was a little bit of like, hey, maybe this is it. And so um, here's the deal. Like at Ignite, Microsoft technically had a Windows thing. It didn't, it wasn't really a thing. It was more of just like, hey, we need to know, we, we need to talk about Windows and so they did in the, in the lightest way possible. But what I can tell you is that between Sun Valley and Windows 10X, there's a little bit like like a, a hint of a spark of like some renewed interest in the platform that we really honestly haven't seen in a while. Now, Windows 10X, you could argue that maybe like when they announced that with the Surface Neo, that that started the conversation. But now that things are starting to materialize, I mean, there's a leaked build of Windows 10X. We're getting leaked images of uh, Sun Valley. Like there, there's a little bit of like, just a hint uh, of momentum behind Windows and, and some excitement. And we haven't felt that in a long time in the world of Windows. And it's honestly, it's like refreshing. And so we we should be getting an event from Microsoft here in the next few weeks or so. I, I think it's a little longer than maybe a few weeks. Uh, but sometime in the near-ish future, we should have a Windows-focused event where I, hopefully they're going to be talking about Sun Valley, which is the big sort of UI update that will be coming in the fall. And then also Windows 10X, which is their Chrome OS-style competitor. And so it, it's good in the sense that, hey, if you use Windows and you like Windows and you enjoy Windows, there's actually something to be looking forward to in like like it's not some far off bet that may or may not make it. Like Sun Valley is happening. Now Windows 10X is a little bit sort of a crazier bet. We'll see if that materializes. But the UI enhancements coming with uh, Windows uh, Sun Valley, they look pretty good. And so that's, it's it's nice. It's nice to be excited about Windows again. Um, Edge also is getting a, a couple updates rolled out, including I think the biggest one that might impact anybody if you use them are vertical tabs. I'd be really curious to know if anybody actually uses these. I'm not. They're not for me. I'm happy that Microsoft included these in Edge. I, I'm sure that there are people who are very happy with them and use them all the time. And I, I salute you. Uh, I'm still a top. I'm a, I'm a classic user. I have my start or my taskbar at the bottom and my tabs at the top, and that's just the way I like to roll. Um, but if you like the vertical tabs, they should be now available on the stable channel or the, or the release build of everything that is uh, shipping out now. 
But before we jump over to the rest of the news, my friends over at Microsoft, Nick and Natalia, have a podcast called Security Unlocked. And you should take a look because they take a closer look at the latest innovations in threat intelligence, security research, which has a special focus on demystifying artificial intelligence. And they have a new episode out uh, talking about digital crimes and how they investigate it. And they actually even talk um, about their digital crimes unit that they have up in Microsoft. I've actually done a tour of this place. It's pretty darn cool. And it's like exactly what you would imagine from like a CSI um, sort of like lab layout. It's a really cool place. Um, and so in this latest podcast, they talk about it. You should go listen to it because it's it's digital crime stuff. It, this stuff is like extremely relevant. And if you're thinking about entering into this industry or just curious about it at all, um, this is something you should definitely be adding to your listen list. I'll have links in the podcast description, which could be down below the video if you're on YouTube or in the podcast uh, app that you are using. And, uh, you know, give them a listen or maybe a subscribe. I think a subscribe would probably be better because you want to listen to all that stuff. All right, switching gears over to the gaming news, if you will. Um, again, depending on when you are listening to this podcast, things may have already happened. We are waiting for the Zenimax or Bethesda ruling to come out of the EU, which will determine whether or not Microsoft can move ahead or if they're going to take a closer look for potential antitrust things and more than likely if they have to keep going with the investigation. That's not good news for Microsoft. So uh, once we hear more about that, I'll definitely have a, a dedicated video or write-up, something dedicated to that. So once we hear more, be on the lookout for that. Uh, other news in the gaming world this week. Sony stopped selling movies and TV shows. They're going to stop selling that through the PlayStation Store. Not, I guess not all that surprising. Um, there's probably a lot of licensing involved, and obviously Sony has their own movies and stuff, and I think the licensing is probably just a headache. Microsoft has sort of slowly backed away from this as well. If you remember, dedicated apps on the PC have sort of just melted away over the years. And so wouldn't surprise me if Microsoft eventually ever did stop doing that on the Xbox. But again, it's all about negotiating all that stuff and whether how much effort they want to put into it. Um, but on the Game Pass side... I kind of like glossed over this at first and then it continues to, to like realize just how good of a value Game Pass is. So uh, this week, Microsoft announced a bunch of more titles coming to Game Pass and there's <laughs> big titles. Uh, we've got Madden, NFL 21, NBA 2K21, Foot and Football Manager. Uh, those are good titles alone. But the big one, at least to me, is Rogue Squadron from uh, Star Wars squ or Star Wars Squadrons, I should say, uh, is coming to Game Pass. Now, this game only came out uh, Octo in October. So there's a couple things that tell me like questions right away. One is this game just not selling well and not doing well. And that's why EA is already putting in the Game Pass. Um, or was this just the deal that Microsoft struck when they brought EA Play into Game Pass? Either way, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm looking forward to playing this. I almost bought it. Uh, but now that it's coming to Game Pass later this month, I'm not going to have to pay for it because I've already paid for Game Pass. So, like, that's a that's a pretty big deal. Now, I know there's going to be questions right away. It's like, when is EA Play coming to the PC? I don't know. This one's getting delayed a lot longer than I initially uh, expected. Because remember, it was supposed to come out 12th. 30 uh last year 12 30 2020 and now we are into march and we still haven't heard anything about ea play on the pc hopefully it'll be coming soon but i don't know uh, microsoft is expected to have a gaming event i believe later this month so they potentially could say ea play uh, and then all of the x cloud stuff is now available and maybe that's what they're holding it out for We'll find out. We will find out. And then other things, uh, a little bit on the developer side, but uh, Simply Gone, there's it, which is a 3D optimization technology for game development, will add support for Unity, Blender, and Python APIs, uh, which is kind of a big deal for game developers. And so if any of that made sense to you, you're going to be really happy about the GameStack Live event, which I believe happens in April. And so that is going to be just all included in that kind of stuff, which is 
it's a it's again microsoft just building up their portfolio of goodness for game developers so on to the questions of the week just a handful this week i got the thread up pretty late so uh shark 47 says do you have a level two charger at home also do you take your tesla on road trips ever so uh he's talking about the car and then a level two charger is something effectively larger than a 120 volt uh, outlet and yes i do i have a 240 volt 60 amp outlet in my garage which will do I think it's 32 miles in an hour. And so that is what I use to top up my car every night. Uh, without any issue at all, I can go from zero. Well, I can recharge the car the whole night. I'm, I'm never at zero at home. And so each night I plug it in, I wake up every day with a full battery. And so, yeah, I do. Um, I definitely recommend you go. So people, the choices you have effectively are either to just use a standard wall outlet. Highly do not recommend that. Uh, to do what I did, which is a 240 volt, 60 amp outlet. Or you can buy the Tesla dedicated wall charger, which is about 500 bucks. Now, I'm pretty, unless you like have a really specific case where you need that charger, which I believe will do like 40 or maybe 50 miles in an hour, as opposed to my 32, uh, I'm pretty against that thing. One, it kind of has a higher failure rate right now, but you know, assuming that Tesla gets that fixed, here's the thing. If something happens with my charger, I just unplug it and take it to the Tesla store and they swap it out. If your wall breaks, you're calling an, if the wall unit breaks, you're calling an electrician. There's no way to disconnect that thing easily or safely. So that is one thing. If you ever move too, you can't just rip that thing off the wall. So unless you really, really need that faster charging, um, I'm personally a fan of just using the mobile charger on a 200 40 volt 60 amp breaker uh because it 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 gives you so much more flexibility with a the downside being a slightly slower um uh, charge rate now you gotta have again that outlet installed which will cost you some money so you're probably gonna be paying an electrician either way but they've got to install the 500 unit or my outlet only cost me about 200 and something dollars so to get installed so uh that is where we are Texag, Texag says, uh, what have you heard about the ongoing attack directed at on-prem, on-prem exchange service? Oh, this is a good one. I forgot to include this day. Uh, I read today that Homeland Security has de declared an emergency for federal system and had an, issued an emergency directive to all agencies to set up miti to, for mitigating the issues. Okay, so uh, I forgot to bring this up previously. So Microsoft issued, a, I believe it was an out-of-band security patch and warning that if you have an, uh, an exchange server on-premises, and so for people who aren't familiar with exchange, this is effectively effectively the, the mailbox tool that you install on servers in your data center. And then when you email, it all goes through the exchange server. And so there were some pretty big vulnerabilities discovered that were actively being exploited. So Microsoft pushed out an emergency patch and told everybody like, you've, you've got a patch now. And um, I've the only thing I've heard that hasn't been publicly stated is that this is actually impacting quite a few customers. Um, and Microsoft went as far as releasing PowerShell scripts that you can run on your logs to identify if you have been compromised via these methods. That's how like widespread they think this potentially is. And so if you have an exchange server on premises, and this is the first time we're hearing this, you really, really, really need to consider patching because um, these are these are pretty bad and easily exploited vulnerabilities that are actively uh, out in the wild. So um, yeah, it's a very big deal for uh, enterprise security. So Mattabear says, Sony is shuttering their movie and TV purchasing and rental services on PlayStation later this year. Do you foresee Microsoft shutting their movie and TV service down? If so, when? Well, I've expected Microsoft to do this for a while. As I mentioned previously in this podcast, is that they, are, they already moved away from it on the PC. See, Xbox has just sort of been lingering out there, and I think the Microsoft Store might potentially have it, but they had dedicated apps at one point, um, and those things have gone away. I, I personally do not rec 
recommend you buy stuff from the Microsoft store from movies and TV. That is just a personal recommendation. Um, I would choose a platform such as iOS or potentially Google. They seem like they're going to be sticking around longer or more than likely Roku would be another good option. Um, the better you're better, you're better off tied to something that's not tied to explicitly like a platform if you can avoid it. But Microsoft, I don't think, is in this for the long run, personally speaking. I mean, we saw what happened with Groove Music, and we've seen that they just don't, they don't deal well, aside from, honestly, Xbox. They don't deal well with the consumer entertainment services. Xbox is like this extreme outlier that does exceptionally well for the company, um, but everything else just doesn't on the consumer side. So uh, it would not surprise me if they're going to shut down. They're not going to shut it down, I just think, arbitrarily. I bet if they do, it'll be when they have to renew the licensing agreements uh, to make these things available. And so, Mr. PKI says, ending this week with some feisty Ignite questions. Did you did you really get pumped about Mesh and how First Ring Daily came, <laughs> can become a virtual Mesh event? So, okay, I didn't bring up Mesh on here because I did a dedicated video earlier the week. But Mesh is like this 3D virtual environment. You can go put your headset on. You can go see and interact with things in 3D. I, I, I'm not opposed to what Mesh is. I'm still not personally sold that 3D and VR events are the future that we all want, especially because we're all so locked down right now. Um, the last thing I really want to do is strap on a headset and, and be stuck in that world for multiple hours during a meeting. Like, that is the last thing. I don't even want to turn the webcam on anymore, let alone put a headset on. But Microsoft is making a developer play here. Yes, they showed off a lot of interactive experiences, but what they want really want are developers to come and build applications like Pokemon Go, for example, is what they showed off on stage, using Mac. We will see. We will see. Microsoft's pitch here is like, hey, we're not Apple, we're not Google, we're not iOS, we're nothing. You know, we are. Uh, we're not tied explicitly to any platform other than Azure in the cloud, but it will work on all the endpoints. And I think that's the key here, and that's the hope is that by being um, able to use Mesh on anything, that developers might use that platform as opposed to iOS or Android specific um, stuff. Am I pumped about it? I think pumped is an overzealous look. I think I'm more like. My interest is peaked, but I'm not not diving into the pool head first. Or I mean, you really shouldn't dive into a pool head first. I'm not diving in uh, to the pool, if you will. Um, did you notice, or did you notice many of the ask the expert expert sessions were based on canned questions and not the open Q and A that deviated from their planned messaging? Of course, that is that is always how this stuff shakes out. When you have a a Q and A on stage, there's going to be canned questions, and they might take a couple baited ones, but they're not going to take anything that is either not potentially answerable meaning it's too technical or it's going to make them look bad on a stage in front of hundreds if not thousands of people watching so um every time you watch those ask experts and it's not just microsoft it, it's any tech conference it's always like well can you tell me how your software is going to change the world and then, it's, then they answer that question like well can you tell me how i can get started like these aren't the questions that are coming in from the audience um these are just questions that are using to fill time and make it feel like it's interactive but it's not. It's some cheap level engagement. Um, everybody does it. Microsoft's not immune. And so here we are. So anyways, guys, that kind of wraps it up for this week. Sort of a, a, a compressed week of Monday, or Tuesday and Wednesday of all this Ignite content coming out. We sit here waiting for uh, Bethesda and ZeniMax and all, all those big announcements. So as we wait to see what comes out of that event, um, we'll have more. But uh, as always, guys, um, I want to give a big shout out to my friends. Let's see if we can't do this without editing. I want to give a big shout out to my friends. It should be right there. There we go. To Security Unlocked, because today's podcast was brought to you by Security Unlocked. You can find links in the description of this podcast or go to securityunlockedpodcast.com.